Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.57 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 29th shit of July, 2021. This is episode 464 of Bitcoin. And here's my good friend and actor, Michael Rappaport. Get your fucking vaccine. We are dealing with a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Okay, you're listening to these dummies. You're not a fucking scientist. Get your fucking vaccine. We have a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Five minutes later. I uh, I just watched uh, Tony Fauci and CNN and Fox uh, tell me that people with the vaccine, vaccinated people, are now spreading the coronavirus. I went from being a hero because I'm vaccinated and now you motherfuckers are calling me a super spreader? Well, that's not your problem, Michael. Your problem is the fact that you thought you were a hero because you got vaccinated. No, dude. Getting a shot in the arm does not a hero make, but it does it 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 does make a, a sheep. It will turn you into sheeple. So if that's what you were going for, then congrats, bro. But dude, no, you're not a fucking hero because you got a shot in an arm. I'm sorry, but that's just I don't know who told him that and why he believes it. But yeah, Mike. Uh, no, not a hero. Anyway, hey, speaking of Michael Rappaport, if you have not seen the movie Copland with Sylvester Stallone, that movie, Michael's in it. He's a shitty actor. It's not about, I'm not say, telling you the, about the movie because of Mike. I'm ta- telling it to you because of uh, Sylvester Stallone. In my opinion, Sylvester Stallone's finest acting finest acting he's ever done and i mean he does a really really good job it's a good movie too by the way it's like sort of like gangsterish except it's about cops up in uh, uh new jersey new york area if you haven't seen the movie dude totally worth it not because of michael Rappaport. anyway let's get into let's get into stuff right um was i was chilling out yesterday with my uh with my node and looking at Thunderhub, which is a way to kind of access my lightning node on my node BTC. And uh, it appears that somebody was listening to the show yesterday and was streaming me 20 sats a minute for a total of, I don't know, man, it looks like I got well over 5,000 Satoshis yesterday, which, you know, by if you're going to count them by the dollar, then yeah, it's not that much. But if you're counting them by Satoshis, 
somebody just cut away 5,000 Satoshis that they won't see again because they gave them to me, streamed right to my node for listening to the dulcet tones, pal. It was cool to watch. It w it really was. Uh, let's see what's going on. Oh, Loli, Lo Lolly's in the news, pal. This is from blog.lolly.com. Lolly closes ten million dollar Series A funding round led by A Crew Capital and top influencers including Logan Paul, Chantel Jeffries, and Sway House creators. Uh, Lolly, the leading Bitcoin rewards company today, announced the close of a $10 million Series A financing round led by early chime backer Acru Capital. Acru is joined by Banana Capital, Up North Management, and Animal Capital, the Gen Z Z focused, uh, uh, sorry, the Gen Z focused venture capital fund unit founded by social media stars Josh Richards, Griffin Johnson, and Noah Beck. The found funding round includes investments from influencers and entrepreneurs such as Logan Paul, Chantal Jeffries, Lauren Ramicki, Ramaki, whatever, and Lara DIY, Kenny Beecham, and Baron Davis. Additionally, the raise includes a recommitment for many of Lolly's early investors, including Alexis O'Hanahan, 776-3KVC, Gabriel Layden, and Forerunner Ventures. The financing will contribute to the expansion of the company, hiring new partnerships and further development of the recently launched mobile app. Uh, so congrats, dude. It, nice job, guys, over there at Lolly. Uh, $10 million in a Series A sweep. It's good to see big, good Bitcoin companies grow. Um, speaking of, <clears throat> CT, S-E-E-T-E-E, -E -E, if you don't remember, that was a spinoff company from a Norwegian guess a offshore drilling company and I can't remember maybe we'll see it here in a minute uh, they spun off their company CT well apparently CT invest in Bitcoin lightning company breeze and you can listen to the podcast on the breeze wallet in their podcasting app which is inside the actual wallet itself and you can stream me value while I stream you value we call it value for value oh you know what I'm not I'm just not Listen to the podcast on Breeze, though. Anyway, Nomsios has it for Bitcoin Magazine. <clears throat> Bitcoin payments company Breeze has announced that CT, the Bitcoin-focused subsidiary of Norwegian investment group Acre, oh, there it is, has become their newest investor. CT's <clears throat> investment shows that they believe Breeze can help Bitcoin achieve its destiny as a currency and do so in accordance with Bitcoin's foundational principles of openness, decentralization, and autonomy said Roy Scheinfeld, co-founder and CEO of Breeze. Breeze is focused on building the network's payment infrastructure, leveraging the Lightning Second Layer Network by providing a seamless and fast Bitcoin experience on top of Lightning. Breeze helps users take advantage of the many unique propositions of Bitcoin. Final, unstoppable, uncensorable money. The Lightning Network is a decentralized scaling solution for Bitcoin that abstracts small transactions between users away from the Bitcoin blockchain and utilizes smart contracts to settle the final balance of those payments into the Bitcoin base layer while ensuring that all transactions abide by the rules of the Bitcoin protocol. By not requiring transaction fees or wait times that on-chain Bitcoin transactions typically do, Lightning enables its users to enjoy affordable, fast, and private payments. <clears throat> Therefore, the second layer network debunks common criticisms 
that Bitcoin could not scale to be a proper medium of exchange, an essential property of money. The people of El Salvador, for instance, have already been experiencing the power of lightning. And the more lightning grows, the closer Bitcoin gets to enabling global peer-to-peer -peer trustless instant payments. CT sees that potential and is joining the community tighter now after realizing the power of Bitcoin earlier this year. Breeze is the first software venture to join CT's portfolio. Quote, the team at Breeze is building free open source software that is intuitive and a pleasure to use while respecting the user's rights, CT said. Its non-custodial and trust-minimized architecture allows consumers, merchants, and content creators and other peers to transact on the Lightning Network quickly and easily with no configuration or expertise required. Damn. Damn. I'm going to give that one up. Yeah, because they ain't the only ones either. Genesis Digital Assets raises $125 million to expand Bitcoin mining operations. Everybody's like just, dude, getting funded or funding other people. It's just so, it's awesome to, it's awesome to see. This is Namcios for Bitcoin Magazine. Genesis Digital Assets, a Bitcoin mining company active since 2013, has announced a $125 million round of equity funding to support the firm's expansion plans. The round came from Kingsway Capital, a UK-based private equity fund. Kingsway is focused on frontier emerging markets and has over $2 billion in assets under management. Their CEO, Manuel Stotts, who joined Genesis Board of Directors as part of the round, commented on funding the Bitcoin miner, quote, Bitcoin is going to be the most important technology for financial inclusion of the global poor and unbanked, and mining provides security to make this possible, he said. <clears throat> the Genesis team has been building highly profitable large-scale Bitcoin mining farms for nearly eight years, and the industry has only been around for 12 Stotts later added how his fund appreciates Genesis' experience mining Bitcoin and believes in the miners' future, something he said Kingsway is incredibly excited to support. Genesis has mined over $1 billion in Bitcoin to date, the announcement said. Wow, that's quite a bit, dude. In 2021, the company has sought to expand and increase its operations to get a more significant share of the global Bitcoin mining hash rate capacity which currently sits at 2.6%. In April, the miner formed a strategic partnership with Bitcoin mining rig maker and first ASIC-powered Bitcoin rig producer Kanan, securing $93 million worth of their late, latest generation rigs. That collaboration was advanced in June when the rig maker announced it uh, secured a purchase order for 10,000 mining machines from the Bitcoin mining firm. Uh, there's no way that I can pronounce this gentleman's name, but it's the Genesis executive chairman and co-founder also commented on the $125 million funding round, quote, our mission is to provide the infrastructure that will power the open source monetary system revolution. And we're excited to have Kingsway Capital and Manuel Stotts on board as we continue to scale our mining operations, end quote. <clears throat> Genesis said, it plans to invest the round proceeds into acquiring new equipment and building new data centers in the United States and Nordic regions. The firm seeks to expand its current 150 megawatt data center capacity and 2.6 exahashes per second hash rate capacity. Nice. And we go from there to here. Bitcoin Magazine's Alex McShane 
First United States Bitcoin mutual fund launched by $60 billion fund manager. Whoopee. Okay. In a press release this morning, ProFunds announced the launch of its Bitcoin strategy ProFund. This will be the first publicly available United States mutual fund that generally tracks the price of Bitcoin. On the ease of access and mass exposure that this mutual fund will provide, ProFund CEO Michael Sapier said that compared to directly buying Bitcoin, which may involve opening a new account with an unregulated party, this ProFund offers investors the opportunity to gain exposure to Bitcoin through a form and investment method that tens of millions of investors are already familiar with, end quote. On the increased demand for a Bitcoin mutual fund, Michael Saper commented it, quote, has become a significant asset class and our new Bitcoin strategy pro fund provides investors access to a Bitcoin strategy through mutual fund investment, end quote. For now, the Bitcoin strategy pro fund invests in Bitcoin futures contracts and the fund holds no actual Bitcoin, which creates two degrees of separation between investors and the SATs they increasingly seek shelter from inflation in. The new mutual fund offers investors exposure to the Bitcoin price without the need to separately manage a hardware wallet or exchange custodial solution. Although the minimal or minimum investment limit in the fund is $1,000, which is over 1,000 times the minimum cost of purchasing Bitcoin or SATs outright, and more than twice the current cost of Ledger X's mini futures contracts. So, I don't know. I think it's it's good for Bitcoin, of course, because it's going to get people at least, you know, some kind of cursory exposure to Bitcoin. But just... The, the smart money, guys, is on going ahead and just holding, buying and holding the underlying asset. If you cannot, for whatever reason, do that, then yeah, sure, get a mutual fund, you know, buy GBTC, you know, GBTC shares or whatever, and, you know, go, go and be happy. But if you can, you really do need to get the underlying asset because all these people are going to need at one point or another, they're going to need direct exposure to Bitcoin in their funds uh, so that they can have a greater degree of exposure for their clients, even though their clients are not going to be directly exposed to Bitcoin, but they will be exposed to the Bitcoin price. So instead of, I mean, I don't see, here's the thing. I don't get it. I mean, I get it from, from huge investment houses kind of standpoint, you know, um, pension funds and shit like that because they're not legally able to do any, any of this stuff yet yet but as a person you can go buy bitcoin at this point and you might as well get it now before they start closing off all the uh, a- exit and uh, on- exit ramps and on ramps because it's just gonna get bad hey let's take a break from all that stuff and listen to what a guy named obi nwosu has to say He writes an opinion piece in the BTC Times, and he released this one on July 27th called What If? What if is the dumbest question when it's about the past. What if I'd got into Oxbridge? What if I'd taken that job? What if I'd onboarded uh, the train before the sliding doors closed? Stop daydreaming about what can't be undone and look to the future instead. And that's where what if becomes about the smartest thing that you can ask. It's a question Bitcoiners are constantly mulling. What if the economy tanks? 
What if money printing causes hyperinflation to rear its ugly head again or trust in fiat currency disappear or or trust in fiat currency disappears overnight? Those who dismiss Bitcoiners say we're preparing for an apocalypse that will never come, to which I'd simply say, look at Lebanon. <laughs> there was a time when this small Mediterranean country was on the news every night for all of the wrong reasons. These days, it takes a kiloton explosion for Beirut to make the bulletins, and the media moves on as soon as the dust is settled. In this week's Spectator, however, there's a letter from Lebanon which lifts the lid on the country's appalling economic crisis. The Lebanese lira is worthless, having lost 95% of its value in 18 months. Officially valued at 1500 to the dollar, you can get almost 15 times that rate on the black market. Medicine and fuel are almost unobtainable. Every day, salaries fall further behind rampant inflation, and UNICEF says that 30% of Lebanese children are going to bed hungry. How did Lebanon get here? In large part, the author explains, because the country's central bank kept the lira massively overhauled, including through state subsidy of consumer goods. The crisis shows how cheap money quickly becomes the opiate of the ruling classes. The government continued to prop up the artificially overvalued lira because it was popular with the people who could buy luxuries at knockdown prices. According to one central banker, politicians would spend the last dollar in the central bank and all the gold before ending subsidies. Lebanon's financial crisis is another tra tragedy for a nation that has more than its fair share of woe. But it couldn't happen here, could it? Not in Germany, surely. Not in the UK? Bitcoiners don't assume anything. We ask what if and we prepare. The question is, are governments asking the same question? Nation states have a similar monotonous choice, or sorry, <laughs> let's try that again. Nation states have a similar momentous choice to make with far-reaching consequences. Recent inflation figures from the United States and elsewhere suggest that we are standing in front of the sliding doors made famous by Gwyneth Paltrow. Two alternative futures lie before us, the easy path of unfettered money printing a la Lebanon or the hard road of adopting a real sound money. And as what if cuts both ways, let's try to also imagine what the path of sound money could look like for countries that chose to adopt it. Adopt it. In this alternative future, governments adopting sound money would have a long-term mindset leading to low debt, creating a culture of delayed gratification, saving, and patience. Their citizens would value making do, hard work, and getting rich slow, and everyone would value study and advancement, substance over form, and efficient use of resources. It seems self-evident that this mindset and the resultant behaviors will lead to an extremely strong economy. The result will be the opposite of Lebanon. Prices will potentially get cheaper as efficiencies translates into lower cost at the till. People will need less each year to achieve the same result. The quality of products sold will increase even as less stuff is sold and the cost of living goes down. In Sliding Doors, Paltrow's first storyline sees her boarding the train and enjoying an initially happier life but dying early. In the alternative narrative, she faces more pain and hard work at first, but ultimately enjoys far greater wisdom and fulfillment, and it's implied that she lives happily ever after as a result. It could be the same for all of us. A return to the principles of sound money, although initially challenging, would usher in nothing less than new 
and more effective phase of human civilizations. And that, perhaps, will be Bitcoin's greatest contribution to pose a giant what-if to the world's government and central banks and to provide the answer to its own question. Thank you, Obi Nwosu. Let's move on to senators. Oh, God. Senators add crypto taxes to infrastructure deal to raise $28 billion in extra revenue. Uh, You know that $28 billion will be spent in like 10 seconds. Seriously, at the rate the United States government is spending money, $28 billion goes in about a minute. Samuel Haig tells us more from Cointelegraph. Last-minute additions to the bipartisan infrastructure deal in the United States Senate saw lawmakers propose expanded cryptocurrency taxation to raise an additional $28 billion in revenue. The proposal will implement tighter rules on businesses handling crypto, expand reporting requirements for brokers, and mandate that digital asset transactions worth more than $10,000 are reported to the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, the lead Republican of the infrastructure discussions, noted Congress has expressed concerns regarding crypto reporting and taxation requirements for some time. Quote, everybody's been talking about the appropriate way to provide more reporting in particular, and that leads to better compliance, says Dinosaur. The crypto measures were hastily added to the deal on July 28th, following weeks of back and forth between the Republicans and Democrats. Revenue from the new crypto taxes will be used to partially fund a $550 billion investment into transportation and electricity infrastructure. The digital asset industry is already pushing back against the proposal, with Blockchain Association Executive Director Kristen Smith arguing that many of the firms that would be subjected to the new rules lack the capacity to collect the required information. Quote, we're pushing every lever right now to change it, she said, describing the proposed measures as hugely problematic. Yeah, no shit. The proposal comes as crypto assets are coming under increasing regulatory scrutiny in the United States and abroad. On July the 27th, acting comptroller of the currency, Michael Sue revealed that regulators are investigating the commercial paper reserves backing a leading stablecoin Tether. <clears throat> yeah, Tether Fed back. Tether has faced criticism for its opaque reserves and failure to deliver promised audits for roughly half a decade. In May, the firm disclosed a breakdown of its reserves that states USDT is 49% backed by commercial paper. During a hearing on cryptocurrency before the United States Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs held on the same day, law professor Angela Walsh also called for greater oversight of the mining sector. Walsh highlighted the availability or the ability for miners to order blockchain transactions and siphon miner extractable value as significant issues failing to make it into onto the radar of lawmakers. On July the 19th, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen pushed for greater regulation governing stablecoins and stable token issuers during a meeting of the President's Working Group on Financial Markets. The group expects to have issued a draft stablecoin regulations in the coming months. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is why Bitcoin. I mean, would they finally fight them their way through the weeds of minor extractable value, DeFi, stablecoin bullshit, the only thing that they'll be able to do is have enough energy to raise their head from the ground and look up at Bitcoin because they will have spent everything to destroy all the other bullshit. 
the United States government and regulatory authorities around the world, unbeknownst to them, are actually working for Bitcoin. I, I, I love it. it. It's just the greatest thing to see. Now, speaking of uh, regulatory people from around the world, we have Gita Gopinath. Who the hell's Gita Gopinath? Well, apparently Gita Gopinath is the chief economist of the International Monetary Fund. She's on leave of public service from Harvard University's economics department and her views are her own. And apparently this is her view. Quote, attempting to make crypto assets a national currency is an inadvisable shortcut, end quote. Perfectly said in this excellent blog by Tobias, Adrian, and Rhoda Weeks Brown. Yeah, if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, I went over that excellent blog post, which was basically propaganda out of the International Monetary Fund telling countries that it's inadvisable to adopt Bitcoin as a currency in their country, which is not only a veiled threat, but um, is directed at El Salvador and El Salvador alone because El Salvador is the only country to have made Bitcoin a currency in their nation. Anyway, hey man, let's run the numbers. CNBC forward, uh, forward slash futures and commodities. Uh, here we all are. Everything apparently is up. So let's talk about it. Energy futures. West Texas Intermediate up a third of a point to $72.66. Brent North Sea up the same to $74.99. Natural gas up 0.15% to $3.97 per thousand cubic feet. And gasoline is up a quarter of a point to $2.31. All the shiny metal rocks are up as well, including a rally by gold to come across the $1,800 mark by point, uh, one point, oh God, one and a half points up for uh, gold. Wow, uh, 1826 bucks. Silver, however, doubling that, three points to the upside, $25.64. Platinum is up 2%. Copper is up one and a third per, or one and a third point, and palladium is up one and one quarter. Agricultural futures are mostly up. Coffee is down, however, 2.29% to the downside. Uh, let's see here. No, not livestock. We're not doing livestock. Indices. Uh, Dow futures up a third of a point. S&P futures up half that. NASDAQ futures down 0.2 and S&P mini is up three quarters of a point. Let's talk about real money at $40,185.32. Looks like we got ourselves an overnight bump. 256,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is over 10,000 transactions on average every hour with, oh, finally, 1.14 million BTC has been sent in the last 24 hour period. That is 47,600 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 4.4 BTC and a median transaction value at 0.021 BTC or 833 bucks. Block times are low at nine minutes and 44 seconds. 
we have 0.1 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 15 BTC being taken overall in the last 24 hours in fees. With a 2% drop in hash rate, we are still above 100 at 108.5 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is 20 and one half United States pennies. That would be Dogecoin. Just so you know what the rest of the shitcoin market is doing. No, it's not dead. God, I wish. We have 1,500 transactions waiting on one block to clear. With a market capitalization of $753.8 billion, Bitcoin has captured 6.38% of gold's overall market cap, and you can buy 22.1 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,769,972.75 in circulation. And 2,045 of those are in the Lightning Network, which has a capacity value of $82.1 million, by the way, which is an all-time high. We have over 13,000 nodes already. Okay, we had just crossed 12,000 nodes like a couple of days ago, it seems, and now we have 13,174 with just a hair shy of 60 thousand payment channels that we know about 1453.7 of those btc in the lightning network are being run over tor which itself has hit an all-time high of 71.1 percent of all lightning activity being run over tor and there are 7921 nodes that are tor nodes that we know about running that side of the lightning network that's going to do it for vitals Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. Record 57,000 BTC leave exchanges in a single day, dropping Bitcoin reserves to pre-crash levels. William Suberg tells us more from Cointelegraph. Bitcoin demanded a $40,000 resistance flip on Thursday as on-chain data revealed large withdrawals from exchanges. Data from Cointelegraph Markets Pro and TradingView showed <clears throat> the BTC price rise to challenge the upper end of its trading range once more on Thursday. The pair had seen a pullback after initially having multi-week highs of $40,600 on Bitstamp earlier in the week. Bottoming out at $38,800, Bitcoin then returned for its latest trip to the $40,000 mark. The, uh, with that level still to be flipped to support convincingly at the time of writing. Amid concerns over the strength of this week's rally, data on Thursday nonetheless pointed to genuine demand for BTC at higher prices. Shared by Bybit or Bibit, BYBT and CryptoQuant, the data appeared to show the largest one-day outflow in at least a year. A total of 57,000 BTC left exchanges within a 24-hour period with that, exchange balances returned to levels seen or that have last seen in mid-May, just before a major price correction after Bitcoin began reversing from all-time highs of 64,500. Despite this demand, however, market participants remain convinced of the need for a higher low construction on the BTC price before any higher levels could fall. Quote, I think markets need to go down to put in a HL before continuing up, 
<clears throat> popular trader Pintoshi summarized, quote, to put it simply, been bullish from 29.6K into resistance, but today <clears throat> to me signals the need to go down for a higher low. Exactly how low that higher low will be could be anywhere between 36 grand and 32,500, Cointelegraph reported. Order book data for major exchange Binance, meanwhile, confirmed a narrowing range for spot price with buyers and sellers encroaching on $40,000 from both sides. So lots of Bitcoin taken off from the exchanges. And if you're smart, you will never put it back on an exchange. It's, I mean, you're at this point, it's Russian roulette. If you'll ever get your Bitcoin back, if you put your Bitcoin somewhere where somebody else holds the keys, because those people are getting regulated like snot out of a goose, man. It's I, so like, I keep thinking of a day when I hear, when I read a tweet or something that's basically telling me that, that they put their Bitcoin on last Thursday and they're never going to be able to get it back because, you know, not because of rug pulls, not because the owners of the exchange scammed them and, and took off. No, 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 no. Because they got a letter from the exchange saying, we've been told to withhold everybody's Bitcoin. There are no withdrawals. We will contact you as soon as we know something further. And that's it for you, pal. You gave your, you put your Bitcoin on Kraken because you thought you were going to do some trading. And lo and behold, you're never seeing your BTC ever again. And it's not even because they scammed you. It's because the United States government <clears throat> and their good buddies over at IMF and FATF got together, had an expensive lunch, and decided to binge you over the table while they were at it. But here's somebody else who's going to get bent over the table and they don't know it yet, which surprises me to no end. But Bank of America calls CBDCs more effective than cash in a research note. <clears throat> this is out of Coindesk, and it is written by James Rubin. Bank of America called central bank digital currencies a much more effective payment system <clears throat> than cash in a research paper published on Wednesday. The Charlotte, North Carolina-based bank, the second largest in the United States by total assets, said that CBDCs could, quote, replace cash completely in the distant future, end quote. Now I'm going to pause right there. <clears throat> Two things. First, if it wasn't for Bitcoin, I would be scared shitless right now. But I'm not. Why? Because we have Bitcoin. Thank God. Because otherwise, this, this thing is just, it's horrendous. You know, back in the day when I was still kind of half sleepy, you know, about life, I was listening to, yes, Alex Jones. Uh, he'll wake your ass up, but he ain't got no solutions. And he's gotten crazy as a, as a pet coon over the last few years, so I haven't listened to him in quite a while. But when I was listening to him, he was talking about this. And honestly, as crazy as that man is, he's been right about a lot of shit. You, I kind of can't deny that. In, in either event, he was talking about that we had to keep using cash. Otherwise, we were going to lose cash. And if we lost cash, all hope was lost. But when I was listening to him, he really wasn't talking about Bitcoin at all, but I, I guess he does now every once in a while. I think he still hates it, but in either event, 
thank God for Bitcoin. Because when when we lose cash, and we will, it's it's coming. And there's you you can go to the bank all day long and deal in nothing but cash until the world looks level. It's not going to stop what's coming. This shit is coming, which is why if you want to really fight, you need to fight for Bitcoin. The second thing is that <clears throat> the Bank of America, we're not going to need you. We're, we're not. I mean, a central bank digital currency being much more effective payment systems than cash by its very definition means you ain't part of the crew. You're not a central bank. We're talking about a central bank digital currency. So all the banks in the world that are rallying around this shit, what they don't know that they're doing is that they're hoisting themselves up on a tree, nailing their wrists into it and crucifying them fucking selves. Because that's what's going to happen. These guys are being nailed to the tree. They don't realize it because they're doing the nailing themselves. Let's continue. The report comes amid surging interest amongst central banks. A May report by the blockchain infrastructure platform Bison Trails found that 80% of central banks are exploring use cases involving CBDCs with 40% already testing proof of concept. Bank of America said that CBDC adoption was inevitable, citing a declining role for cash, the private sector's increasing use of blockchain technology, loss of control over currency and CBDCs, private sector, oh wait a minute, CBDC's potential to boost the economy. It also noted that central banks that did not launch their own digital currencies could see decreasing demand for their own particular currencies substantially in some cases and a smaller global role. <clears throat> Addressing concerns that a CBDC could compete with bank deposits, spur bank runs and comprise, or yeah, com sorry, compromise individual security. The paper highlighted central banks' a very cautious approach. The paper said that CBDCs qualified as money by allowing a store value and being a unit of account and means of exchange, differentiating them from cryptocurrencies that do not meet these criteria. You've never talked about these criteria before. I spent my entire life at one point or another exposed to some kind of news channel that was financial, financially based. And you've never once talked about means of exchange, unit of account, store of value. You haven't never talked about this shit as a bank until Bitcoin landed in the street. That tells me a lot. But now this is what they talk about. And then they point to Bitcoin and say, see, Bitcoin isn't any of these things. Oh, bullshit. It's all of those things and much more. Anyway, continuing on. Uh, Bank of America said that CBDCs could lessen the need for stable coins, noting that the latter could present a material financial stability risk during times of market stress when there may be a crypto to fiat currency run. In recent months, Bank of America has ratcheted up its own commitment to provide more cryptocurrency services and explore crypto's potential. The bank has created a team dedicated to researching cryptocurrencies and related technologies, according <clears throat> to a memo reviewed by Coindesk earlier in the month. Separately, it also uh, approved the trading of Bitcoin futures for some clients and its prime brokerage unit has stated that clearing and settlement of cryptocurrency exchange traded products uh, for hedge funds in Europe. So, you, you know, the only way Bank of America is going to save itself is to basically get out of fiat, go all into Bitcoin and stay all in Bitcoin. 
Bank of America, that's your only hope. Honestly, I don't know if you're even going to survive that, though. Israeli government seeks to track crypto holdings above 61000 U.S. dollars. Mary Hewlett is, uh, got this one from Cointelegraph. The Israeli government is ratcheting up its efforts to deter tax evasion and close loopholes for would-be money launderers as part of a war against black capital. You racist son of a bitch. Among the measures outlined in a new draft bill published by the Ministry of Finance this week, a new statutory requirement is being proposed to place cryptocurrency users under increased scrutiny. I'm going to pause. Are we just, I mean, it, like when my son was born and I put him in his first set of diapers, was he born a money launderer? Because apparently we're all, we're all out here laundering money and financing terrorism and taking pictures of kids, you know, who are naked for child porn. Apparently that's what we all are. That's what we all are. Are you, at what point do you, are you not offended by these people? Fucking black capital? Jesus Christ, if I had said that in any other context, I would literally be called a racist. We live in that world right now. But, you know, it's okay to talk about Bitcoin that way. Anyway, the proposed law would make it mandatory for cryptocurrency users who have either purchased 200,000 Israeli shekels, $61,000 worth, of cryptocurrency or whose crypto holdings are currently worth the same amount and above to file a report with the Israeli tax authorities. Right. This reporting obligation. Oh, it's an obligation would apply to any Israeli citizen who is held personally or on behalf of a child under 18 cryptocurrency worth this amount or above on one or more days of the tax year. God, the bill states, quote, virtual currencies have become commonplace amongst the public and they are practically traded as an asset on exchanges. Digital coins can be subdivided into very small units transferred relatively easily by electronic means and are not subject to surveillance or inspection. You nailed it. In these circumstances, virtually, virtual currency is a convenient and effective means of concealing income, accumulating undeclared assets and money laundering. Because that's our natural state. We, when we came out of the trees, ladies and gentlemen, that's the first fucking thing we did is launder money. No, we didn't learn agriculture or figure out how to hunt and do hunter-gatherer shit and form communities. Fuck, no. The very first thing we did was launder cash. God damn it. If approved, the introduction of this measure would raise state revenues by an estimated 30 million shekels, $9.2 million U.S., in 2022 through an additional tax. According to a report from Israeli business newspaper The Marker, Many Rosenfeld, uh, chairman of the Israeli Bitcoin Association, wrote a letter to Israeli tax authority head Iran Yakov earlier this week. He argued that the extensive reporting obligation would create a database of Bitcoin hodlers, something unprecedented compared with any other asset. Rosenfeld further argued that due to the price volatility of digital assets, crypto investors could qualify for a reporting obligation one month and then soon after following below that threshold. He wrote that the decision is hate to hastily make this amendment to the law without any dialogue nor understanding of its implications 
drastically impairs investors' rights to a hearing and comp compromises the effectiveness of the proposed legislation. Israeli Daily Globes also cited Rosenfeld's objection that the law would unduly discriminate against Bitcoin hodlers as well as frame them as potential criminals. In his view, the proposed measures go against the grain of easing access to the digital economy more broadly, a market that already faces significant re regulatory challenges. Tax law <coughs> lawyer Ite Braca told Globes the law was another aggressive step taken by the authorities towards becoming a big brother. The decision makes it clear that the state does not trust taxpayers to report and pay what they properly owe. Braca also noted that reporting obligations are not mandatory in Israel for investors who trade stocks and other assets, despite the, class, the classificatory equivalence between them and cryptocurrencies. So, yeah, yeah, this is just, and it's not going away. Yes, it's going to get worse. No, I'm not going to tell many, anybody how much Bitcoin I already have. However, it's going to become clear that if I'm not getting Bitcoin through mining, which is KYC free, which I very well may do, even though it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be a whole lot of Bitcoin, but at least it'd be, you know, fairly KYC free, you know, or, <clears throat> or through some other means like, I don't know, HODL, HODL or, or BISC or, you know, some shit like that. But yes, I mean, I, I have a weekly buy order of, uh, from Square and every single Bitcoin that I buy is KYC, you know? But I, you know, the majority of my holdings I got way before any of this bullshit. Am I going to voluntarily report that? No. Will I report the stuff that I bought from Square and, and uh, also from Swan? I have to, I, I have to, there's no choice. So I'll report some of it, but no, I'm not going to tell anybody about the rest of it. That's just bullshit. Unique Bitcoin backed home loan refinancing deal in California. Refi. Tell us about it. Martin Young, Cointelegraph. One of Southern California's largest independent escrow companies, Glen Oaks Escrow, has announced its first property refinancing with a Bitcoin backed loan. The company stated that this is the first time a refinance, refinancing has been completed using Bitcoin. In the July 28th announcement, it added that it has previously facilitated a number of real estate transactions that use BTC as a form of payment. Glen Oaks Escrow, which started accepting Bitcoin payments in, wow, 2018, views the transaction as proof that Bitcoin's value proposition is becoming clearer to debtors and creditors Company Chief Operating Officer Joe Curtis commented, quote, seeing a lender use cryptocurrency for a refinance shows us that this payment method is continuing to grow in how it's used and who it's used by. He added that seeing the lender rather than the home buyer using BTC in a real estate transaction tells us that this technology has the potential to continue becoming more prominent, even if it's still considered new to our industry, end quote. In another crypto-related real estate development, a Dogecoin aficionado from the United States of Utah, or United States State of Utah, has offered a 10% discount on his property if the buyer pays in Doge. That's just stupid. I'm not even, I'm not even, whatever. Way back in 2017, Cointelegraph reported on the first ever BTC real estate transaction, which occurred in Texas. These two new stories are the latest positive developments in the real estate sector. On July the 23rd, Cointelegraph reported that an increasing number of real estate firms 
are accepting Bitcoin payments. CEO and founder of the Crypto Realty Group, Piper Moretti, told Cointelegraph that many buyers purchasing real estate with digital assets are taking loans out against their cryptocurrency so they can still benefit from holding coins while putting the value to work. In May, it was reported that buyers could even use Dogecoin to make property purchases in Portugal. FNTX Capital Suisse partnered with Portugal-based property developer 355 Developments to offer condos for crypto in the capital, Lisbon. So real estate is not about putting your house deed on the blockchain. No, no, no. It's about getting a home loan against your Bitcoin. That's where the future of real estate and Bitcoin lie. Federal, speaking of lying, oh my God, Federal Reserve keeps rates near zero, still sees inflation as transitory. Oh, it's so transitory. Nate D. Camillo tells us more from Coindesk. The Federal Reserve said on Wednesday it would keep interest rates near zero and asset purchases at $120 billion a month. Money printer go burr. Earlier in July, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell told Congress the central bank is not comfortable with inflation well above 2% where it is now, but noted the price increase in used vehicles, airline tickets, and hotels seems to be temporary. (laughs) Quote, inflation has risen largely reflecting transitory factors, the Fed said in a statement after the conclusion of the two-day closed-door meeting. While pressure has been mounting for the central bank to taper its asset purchases, Powell has often reiterated that the bank's quantitative easing program advances its commitment to maximum employment. QE discourages a flight to safety and lowers the yields on risk assets by lowering risk-free yields in other ways, said Stephen Kelly, a research associate at the Yale Program on Financial Stability, an initiative focused on understanding financial crises. Encouraging more risky borrowing has a positive effect on employment, Kelly added. Uh, It's hard to to read this, guys. The central bank also announced that it has established two standing repurchase agreement facilities or repos with a minimum bid rate of 25 basis points, one for primary dealers and additional banks, and another for foreign banks. Quote, The Fed wants to make sure that the Treasury market stays liquid even when the Fed winds down its balance sheet, Kelly said. It doesn't want funding rates to spike in the Treasury market. The commitment or the committee did note the United States economy has made progress towards the Fed's goals and that the committee will continue to assess progress in coming meetings. This could point to tapering in the near future. It's always the near future if the economy continues towards the central bank's recovery goals. Quote, We also reviewed some considerations around how our asset purchases might be adjusted, including their pace and composition. Once economic conditions warrant a change, Powell said in a press conference on Wednesday, in response to a question about what counts as substantial further progress, Powell noted there is no single number with maximum employment that the bank can target as it does with the price stability side of the mandate. Quote, we monitor a broad range of data about different aspects of the labor market, Powell said. We have some ground to cover. I would want to see some strong jobs numbers. A pullback on economic activity could happen if indoor dining or travel declines significantly because of more transmissible Delta variants of COVID-19 while the pace of vaccinations slow, Powell added. Well, apparently that turns you into a super spreader, just, just saying. Quote, as long as there is time and space for the development of new strains, 
No one's really safe, Powell said. Quote, it is both the right thing to do and in our interest to make sure vaccinations happen broadly around the world for that reason. Oh, God, this is such a screw job, guys. I wonder if this is, you know what, I'm not even going to say it. The uneven recovery across rich and poor countries could also lead to a decrease in U.S. exports, he said. Powell added that inflation has been running above the central bank's 2% target for a few months and will continue to run above 2% for a few more months before falling back. But the bank is a ways away from raising interest rates. Yeah, it's the in the near future. It's not something that's on our radar screen right now, he said. The number of job openings compared to unemployment, the unemployed puts the U.S. on a path to a strong labor market with high participation. But Delta variant, whatever. If you have high inflation, you also have high employment. They tend to go together, Powell said. This is a situation where they're temporarily in different directions. We're not at full employment, but you're having high inflation, and we feel like we're going to be making good progress over the course of the next year or a couple of years towards maximum employment. Powell added that workers are looking for new jobs rather than going back to old jobs, which makes the employment process take longer. Other workers are reluctant to go back to work because of COVID-19 fear and the fact that they're fucking spineless and because of a lack of childcare while schools are not fully open. Quote, we hear from businesses all over the country that it's very hard to hire people and that maybe because people are shopping carefully for their next job. But the bottom line on this is people want to work. If you look at where the labor force participation rate is, Powell said, Okay, everything's in the near future. Uh, it, uh, eventually, we'll have full employment. Eventually, we'll not have 2% inflation. And eventually, they'll you know, stop QE. And eventually, they'll unwind their balance sheet. And eventually, 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 they got us on a hook. And apparently, they have no intention of gutting us, putting us over a fire, and having us for dinner. They just want to keep us on the hook. I don't know. Maybe they enjoy the torture? Who knows? Who gives a shit? That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Just a note uh, before we do the joke. Uh, Ghana's vice president has declared Africa should embrace digital currencies. Uh, So the vice president of Ghana is basically saying that the entire continent of Africa should actually do this. Africa is going to fall sooner than you think, people. Central and South America has already fallen to Bitcoin. Africa is next. I guarantee it. Africa is next. So keep a close eye on Africa. All right. Now, with all that said, uh, dad says jokes. When my dad was unemployed, he used to hide money in the bushes in our garden. He went on to become a successful hedge fund manager. Get it? Hedge fund? Yeah. Listen to me on the Breeze Wallet or on Sphinx Chat and stream me Satoshis while you get streamed these dulcet tones. You'll support me. You'll support the show. You'll support, I don't know. A whole bunch of stuff. What you won't support is money laundering, however, because I'm not a money launderer. I did not fall out of the tree and immediately start laundering money. No, I have other interests in mind. Anyway, if you do want to support me, support the show, 
do it in the best way possible. Stream me Satoshi's direct to my lightning node, which is about one foot away from me right now. And I'll stream you these dulcet tones and I'll see you on the other side. Oh, but you know what? Before I do that, I gotta, I gotta warn you. I'm going to Colorado for two weeks on, you know, starting here in a couple of days. I'll try to put some reruns up, but, and I might try to do some shows from the house up there. I don't know, man. It depends. So just be aware that for the, like, you know, next couple of weeks could be a little shaky for the show. But no, if you don't hear from me in like two full weeks, it doesn't mean that I stopped the show. It just means that I'm on vacation. All right. So I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.